Let's move into our sermon this morning. And so we're continuing our Simple Theology uh, series. Today our word is gospel. Our word is gospel. And so in this series, we've taken big concepts and we've uh, defined them with a single word. Now, before I narrow our single word, uh, narrow gospel down to a single word, I feel like gospel has been far removed from its origins. And we know that gospel, I'm sure if we've been to church long enough, we've heard that gospel translates to good news. And again, this term is often associated with the gospel. Gospel means good news. Gospel means good news. But for some reason, it feels like our world doesn't see it as good news. Rather, the gospel is more of a nuisance. In its original language, the gospel was often good news. The gospel meaning good news was often associated with political announcements of the rise of a new ruler or a big military victory that brought joy. Messengers from the kings and the rulers, they would be sent to announce this good news throughout the land. But again, nowadays when we hear the gospel, a lot of times our society, our community doesn't see it as good news. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. But my hope is that we can take a step back to see why the authors of the Bible chose this term, chose good news to define gospel, so that we can understand it. And so the whole goal of this series has been to define a theological concept with one word. But today I'm going to break the rules a little bit. Instead of using one word, I'm going to use five words to describe the gospel. And before I begin, I want to thank uh, and credit InterVarsity and HonorShame.com for their resources and providing the tools and providing the structure for us to understand uh, gospel and to also help minister to cultures uh, in honor-shame context. And so in your bulletin today or at your table, you might have received a little bookmark-looking thing. And so those are the five words that I'm going to be using this morning. And it's an easy way for you to also remember what gospel can be. And so feel free to follow along, or if you just want to follow what's ever on the slide, that's great. But the five words I'm going to use today that summarize the gospel are problem, dilemma, solution, response, and result. These five things all address an issue, and together they collectively help us understand what the gospel is. So let's start with the first. The problem is unfaithfulness. The problem is unfaithfulness. You hop onto any news source, any outlet that you get your news from, you'll immediately know that something is wrong in the world, but that's not how the world was originally created. God created the world and everything he created was good. When God created humans, he created them with honor because they were created in his image. And so humanity reflected God because God is honorable. But the first humans, Adam and Eve, chose to rebel against God because of their unfaithfulness. And the problem, again, is unfaithfulness. Adam and Eve were unfaithful. They thought that God was withholding his goodness from them by commanding them not to eat from one tree. We talked a little about this from last week about sin. So they became unfaithful and disobeyed God. And so unfaithfulness is the problem that plagues all of humanity. Even if you don't believe in God, I bet that there's a desire to live up to your standards because you aren't living up to your standards. And in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it reminds us this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That unfaithfulness makes us short of God's glory. 
And so to understand the gospel, we must understand that the first problem is unfaithfulness. Now the problem of unfaithfulness causes humanity to experience the second thing, the dilemma of shame. Shame causes us to feel unworthy. Shame creates dishonor. Shame causes a rift in the relationship. That results in disunity, which leads to isolation. Some might claim they don't need God, but I think their claim that they don't need God is simply an effect of shame, that they're isolating themselves. In Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they felt shame, so they hid from God. They made excuses to cover up their unfaithfulness. But in the end, there is no solution that humanity can come up with. Thankfully, God has a solution. God's solution, the third part to the gospel, God's solution is restoration. God's love for humanity causes him to love um, causes him to do something about the problem of unfaithfulness and the dilemma of shame. He restores the relationship by sending Jesus. And so Jesus comes to earth, lives the life that humans were supposed to live, and then Jesus also then bears all the consequences and problems that the dilemma caused by dying on the cross. Romans chapter 4 verse 25 says this, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life so we can be right with God. Jesus then resurrects from the dead, demonstrating God's triumph over the problem of unfaithfulness and the dilemma of shame. Jesus restores our honor so that we can reunite with God again. But this offer requires a response. Jesus dying on the, on the cross requires a response. And our response is loyalty. God wants us to be faithful to him. Loyalty is faithfulness. You see, unfaithfulness was the reason why all of this happened. And so to experience God's restoration, we have to respond to the solution, which is Jesus. Whenever solutions are offered and you don't respond to them, you don't get them. Jesus offers a solution. We have to respond to it. We have to accept that our shame can only be taken away by Jesus and by nothing else. We must respond and be loyal to God. And being loyal to God means we align our lives accordingly to God's desire. We abandon our selfish desires and obey God's desires to love him and to love others. And as a result, when we are loyal to God, as a result, the result is honor. Out of that, we get honor. Honor is restored. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 4 says this Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the sorrows of your widowhood. God takes away the shame we feel and replaces it with honor. Honor takes us out of our isolation and brings us back to a relationship with God. And then we also get invited into God's community and we get to experience this honor too. The church honors each person because the church is supposed to think of themselves as less than the other and instead honor the other. 
Loyalty to God is also rewarded to heaven when we receive the highest honor of reigning with God in heaven. True honor is found in God alone and nowhere else. And so that's the gospel in five words. There's a problem, there's a dilemma, there's a solution, there's a response, and there's honor. Earlier I mentioned that the gospel means good news, and I hope it is. I hope that you are joyful when you first experienced what it was like to understand the gospel. That you experienced the victory over failed attempts to be good, to be better. I hope that was good news that changed your life so that you chose to not be loyal to things that brought dissatisfaction but brought you to loyalty to Jesus. I hope that when you first heard the gospel and it made sense that it was good news. Now for some of us, the gospel might not be good news. It might be bad news. It might be bad news because it examines our life, points out our flaws, our shortcomings, our mistakes. I don't like that. And I'm sure many of us don't like that. We don't want to unveil the bad news about ourselves. The truth is this. To understand the good news of the gospel, we first have to understand the bad news about ourselves. We have to accept that there's something wrong in order to discover what is right. See, many of us desire to be physically healthy, I myself. But in order to be healthy, we have to accept the unhealthy things that we are doing. We have to accept those things in order to change them. Theologian James Cohn writes this, This gospel is not good news for the powerful, for those who are comfortable with the way things are, or for anyone whose understanding of religion is aligned with power. Now, Cohn is a black theologian. He's black himself. He's a black theologian. He wrote this specifically about his concern for white Christianity, Western Christianity, but I think it pertains to us too that our own power, our own comfort, our own understanding of what it means to be whole, what it means to be full, what it means to be a human, our understanding, you and I, our understanding is not exhaustive. We do not have a full or complete understanding of what it means to be whole. We will never understand what it means to be whole. And so we will chase things chase thing after thing and always find ourselves at the same place of feeling dissatisfied. That's not the case with the gospel. That's not the case with Jesus. In John chapter four, Jesus is tired from traveling and he asks the Samaritan woman for water. At first she refuses because of the cultural and ethnic differences. Jesus was Jew, the Samaritan woman was Samaritan and they couldn't associate because of their skin color and their different beliefs. But Jesus responds to her with this after asking her for water. Jesus tells her that he has water and so this is what he says. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus promises her water that will satisfy all her needs. Not only satisfy her needs, but that she would have a spring of water welling up in her life as well too, so that she could be a source of wholeness to others, 
not her own hope, but the hope of Jesus. And this promise is true for you and it's true for me. And so wherever you're at in your spirituality, in your relationship with Jesus, whether you're still unsure, you're on the fence, or you trust in Jesus fully, trust that the gospel is good news for you and I. We are limited in what good is. We are limited in being able to do so much good. But God isn't. He's full of it. He's entirely made up of it. And that trust that the good news, that the gospel is truly for our good. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for all the reminders this morning of just how good the gospel is. At least for me, maybe this is a, a day to minister to myself, Lord, that um, hearing the gospel in my native tongue, hearing how the gospel has impacted my sister-in-law, being reminded that gospel comes from this word that means victory. God, we trust in your goodness in our lives and we trust that the gospel is good for all of us, wherever we are. Whether we believe you or whether we don't. Whether we believe you before and we're in a place where we're still trying to figure that out. We trust that you are good for us, even if it doesn't feel like it. God, we're reminded that your love caused you to do something, to give us Jesus Christ, your son, to solve the problem of unfaithfulness, to solve the dilemma of shame, to give us the solution of Jesus Christ. And God, for some of us, we might be sitting here today at that point and we haven't responded yet. And if we haven't responded yet, God, I ask for your Holy Spirit to work in our lives to remind us of your goodness or maybe for the very first time to show your goodness in our, in, in, in our lives, Lord of just how much we need you and how good you are to us. Think about in Romans how it says that when we declare that you are a Lord, that you save us. And so if there's anyone this morning who wants to declare that, I invite you to do so. Declare in your heart, declare with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and that the gospel is for you. And we know that this simple prayer, Lord, doesn't solve anything, but it is the beginning to a relationship with you where we will continue to experience your goodness. And so, Lord, remind us for the thousandth time or the very first time 
your goodness in our life. And in our response to you, Lord, may it be a daily response that you are good. May we continue to remain loyal to your desires of loving who you are and loving all those around us, Lord, wherever we are, whether we're at church or not, that we will love all those around us. And so we thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ and what it does in our life, Lord. Not just the one time where we proclaim with our mouths that you are Lord, but day in, day out, that you are God and that you are good and that you bring wholeness and goodness into our life. So we thank you. We pray and lift this in your name, Lord. Amen.